So today I'm going to talk to you about how to get under the blessing of God. Because I think so often people um, don't understand how blessed God wants you to be. And sometimes we live in stages of our journey with God and there's an element where things are going well and there's an element of things that are not going well. I'm here to encourage you. You're a very good looking church. But I want to say to you today, it's not your good looks that ultimately defines who you are. I know it's disappointing, but, but the truth is that's just a little bit of blessing on your life, that you are a good-looking group of people. But what defines the believer's life is the blessing. There is something on a believer that just attracts blessing that seems to overtake them. And yet sometimes we seem to live under challenges, situations of our life that keep reoccurring. And maybe today I could use the word curse. I, I'm not trying to get spooky or weird on a curse, but sometimes we seem to live on a, a thing that keeps reoccurring on us and somehow can't get that breakthrough. And for me, a curse is simply a result. Something you do that creates something to happen and blessing is very much the same. You do certain things and it creates a result for your life. And today, if I can encourage you that God, through Jesus, took the curse so that you could live under the blessing. And yet still sometimes we seem to live under this battle, this invisible barrier that seems to stop us moving forward and today I want to give you some principles to help you break that thing off your life and live free. Because I think it's so important that you live blessed. That you live in a supernatural vehicle that enables you to do what you've been called to do. And today if we can grab a hold of some of those principles, it's going to help your life. And if you have your Bibles today, we're going to go to Galatians chapter 3 verses 1 to 14 and we're going to begin to read this. It says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. This only I want to learn from it. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, you are now being made perfect by the flesh. Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law? You need to get that. Or by the hearing of faith. Just as Abraham believed God, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Therefore, Know that, that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand saying, in you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. For as many as of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed 
is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us, listen to this, from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon us, the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Amen. There's a lot in that. <laughs> but I think it's so key that we understand that God wants to leave you in the blessing. And Paul the Apostle is challenging the church in Galatia. What happened? You guys were doing so well. You, you guys were, were understanding the Spirit of God and it's by faith you walk out this life. Now you're bending back into a works mentality. Now you're bending back into the ways of the law and you're finding out this stuff doesn't work. And you're starting to get results in a way that's not effective for your life. See, when you understand that Jesus took the curse for your life and that you can live in blessing, then it gives you a freedom and a permission to walk out this incredible life in God. But sometimes people, even though they know on a scriptural level that God has redeemed you from the curse, they're still living under a curse because they're not applying the freedom that God's given us. And too often I, I deal with people in Christian circles that are struggling with patterns and cycles of their life. And sometimes we dismiss the result of, a, of living a particular way and we just put up our hands and go, well, that's just the way life is. I'm here to help you today. There are some things in your life that have answers to get you through. And there are some things in life that maybe we'll never explain why they happen. And if today you can begin to understand that God wants to live, cause you to live in a blessed life, man, you're going to step up into something great. I read a, an interesting book about a year ago called Black Box Thinking. And it's the whole design on organizations that have a black box. If you're not sure what a black box is, it's a black box that appears in an airplane that if an airplane crashes, they find the black box and they work out what took place. And they, this book was all about doing a study on organizations that had a black box mentality in organizations that didn't have a black box mentality. And so organizations that, that didn't seem to repeat the same mistakes over and over and over again. He talked about politics and how politics tends to repeat its same mistakes. In, in the United Kingdom, the, some of the medical field, they tend to continue to make the same mistakes. And then he looked at sporting, and then he looked at different um, aeroplane organizations that really work on a black box, and they found that their success continued to rise. And God began to speak to me through this black box thinking. I began to realize that black box thinking is the ability to change a situation that's been occurring in your life. He, he began to unpack some stories of, of an airline that took off from America and was flying to a particular destination. But as they took off, they discovered they had some issues with the, the landing gear. And the captain got this thought in his head, we're going to make it this, to this particular destination. 
And as they're flying, the co-pilot says, Captain, we need to land this plane because we are starting to run low on fuel. And the captain said, no, we are going to go to this destination. We're going to be totally fine. Another couple of hours into the flight, the co-pilot begins to put a bit more stress on the situation and says, Captain, we are running seriously low on fuel. The captain was so mindset that I'm getting to this particular destination. He says, no, we're going to be fine. We're going to keep going towards this. And the tragedy of the story is they ran out of fuel and they crashed and all passengers died. But they got the black box and they listened to the last part of the trip. And because of the black box, they will begin to realize that a captain cannot have all authority in every situation of the flight. There comes a point where the co-pilot must be able to overrule the captain if the captain has gone stupid. And then they created another one that the head steward could override both co-pilot and captain if both were gone stupid together. It all came out of a black box moment. I heard another story of, of a journalist, an investigative journalist, had a wife and two young children, and his wife came up with some sort of condition in her throat, and she went to the doctor, and the doctor said, listen, it's a very simple operation, and you'll be in and out in a day, so book yourself in, and she booked herself in, the husband and the two kids said goodbye to mom, and mom went off to the operating theater. In the operating theater, she starts to have the anesthetic to put her to sleep, to have the operation, and she has an allergic reaction. And in the allergic reaction, her throat starts to close up, at which point the doctor begins to put in a very small tube to try and get the airways unblocked through the small tube. The anesthetist is doing the, the same thing. And as they only have minutes to move on this thing, the, the head nurse who was watching the whole scenario says the answer is very simple, and the doctors know this, you just punch a hole in the throat which will unblock the airways. But for some reason, the doctors kept pushing down and trying to get this small tube down the throat, and the condition was getting seri more serious and more serious. So the head nurse decides to go out and get the instrument to unblock it through punching the hole in the throat and brings it in, places it on the floor. And by this time, a third specialist doctor is in the theater. And they're all doing the same thing, trying to put the small tube down the throat. So the tragedy of the story is the mum dies. The doctor then has to go out and talk to the father or the, the husband. And the doctor says this and the doctor says, look, it's just one of those things. I mean, this is so rare. It's a freakish accident. Now, you've got to understand the doctor never intended for that to happen. He never went into that operating theater with any sense of, you know, trying to hurt the woman, but only to help the woman. But in the moment of a mindset, a tragedy occurred. Stay with me for a moment. But because he was an investigative journalist, he said, I want to find out what happened. And that was the story. 
But the problem is with that story, had he not been an investigative journalist, that tragedy would have happened over and over and over again because they never had a black box positioning in their company or their organization. So I'm here to encourage you today to help you with a black box mentality and secular audience call it cognitive dissonance. It's when you get into a mindset and the cogs of your brain justify the reason you're doing what you're doing. And we all fall into it. So God began to speak to me about the key of breaking cognitive dissonance over people's lives with the word repentance. And the word repentance is not a slappy word. Around the globe, too many churches use the word repentance as a beat-up word. I want to suggest to you today in Dusseldorf, in Munich, in Zurich, and here in Constance, that the word repentance is an opportunity word. It gives you an opportunity to change. It gives you an opportunity from going in one direction into another direction. That's what the word repentance does for you. It's a brilliant and God gives you the opportunity to change. But when you have cognitive dissonance in your marriage and you justify the way, the way that you are, even though internally you know something is not right, but you have to justify it. We all do it, don't we? We all do it. We all go to the buffet, the smorgasbord, and we pay our money. And we, we think to ourselves, this food is rubbish. This food is no good. But I paid my 15 euro and I'm going to get my money's worth. Now, we know it's not good, but we keep doing it. That's called cognitive dissonance. We do it with a movie. We watch a movie and we go, this movie's rubbish. But I paid my six quid. So I'm going to watch the movie. It's called cognitive dissonance. And we say things in life to other people. And then we justify why we said it. That's called cognitive dissonance. You have to justify why you're on the current path that you're on. And we all do it in marriages. You know, we're, oh, I'm not saying sorry until she says sorry. Uh, I'm not repenting of that until, you know, I see I'm justifying. This is the way that I am. And we fall into a trap constantly and we end up living in results of our cognitive dissonance. And God's answer today is repent. Is repent. It's an opportunity word. Hebrews chapter 6. The first foundation of, of Christianity. First two foundations of Christianity is repentance from dead works and faith towards God. There are six foundational blocks in your Christianity that you must have. You cannot make great decisions in life until you have an understanding of what the six foundations are. And I'm amazed how often Christians don't know what they are. This is what Hebrews 6 says. It talks about laying again the foundations, the writer of Hebrews. He's saying this, you need to move on don't stay on these foundations. Move on from repentance from dead works, faith towards God, baptisms, 
laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. They are the six foundations on which you build your life from in following Jesus. But so often people go, what the heck is resurrection from the dead? Listen, it's a foundational doctrine. And if you don't know it, you're not living solid. Because these are are solid. Now the writer says this in Hebrews 6, we're going to lay these foundations again if God permits. In other words, it's not guaranteed. What's he saying? You people ought to be growing up right now, but you're staying immature. You're staying as kids. Now lay the foundations and we'll lay them if God permits. Now, in most cities, in all probably all cities, you need certain permits to park somewhere. True? You can't just park anywhere you want in a residential area. You have to have the permits. The permission of the council or the, the local government that says, hey, you can do this. If you're doing a building site, you know, some of the stuff you, you want to do with the places of buildings in the future, you have to get the permits from the council. Hebrews 6 says you've got to get the permit of God to lay this foundation again, if God permits. But when you begin to put them in, and the first one it talks about is repentance. And so often people think, what a terrible word. Why? Because you have a cognitive dissonance, what that word means. That word is an opportunity word to change. So I was walking down this way, and God says, there's a better way. You're getting too many bad results walking this way. Turn around and get in the blessing. Turn around and start getting all the blessing that I've got for your life. That's a change of thinking. The word repentance literally means to change your mind. You know, and I'm not going to get political here, but the war in Iraq a few years ago, They went in on the basis of weapons of mass destruction. That was the reason the United Kingdom and the United States went and they found none. And then they had to justify why they went in, even though there was none. Now, whether it's right or wrong, I'm not saying whether it's right or wrong. All I'm saying is that when you start making decisions and you discover those decisions aren't as what you thought they were, sometimes we get into the wrong mentality and we try and justify those decisions. And the key to it today is the word repentance and then coming under the blessing that God's got for your life. And that's why the Bible encourages us all the way through. Are you with me so far? Is this all right for a Sunday morning? That's why in Ephesians it talks about a put off and a put on. You know, some of us jump straight to to Ephesians chapter 6, put on the armor of God. Listen, friends, you can't put on the armor of God until you've done chapters 2, 3, 4, and 5. Some of us have got the the flow wrong. We're going, God, put on the armor of God, but you've got the dirty clothes on still. That's why there's a put off, put off anger, put off lying, put off deceitfulness, put off selfish ambition, put off the love of pleasure and put on Christ, put on love, put on truth, put on these great things of the kingdom of God. See, cognitive dissonance will lock you into an old way of living. That's why you can be a Christian and still be having stuff go down. Come, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening? Well, friend, maybe today you need to strip off. Not literally. I know you Germans like to do that stuff, but hey, just keep it on today. (laughs) What would begin to happen? 
Poverty began to happen if you understood that Jesus Christ took the curse so you could live in the blessing. See, I'm a practical preacher. I'm a practical, but I do a lot of leadership coaching. So I get down to the nitty-gritty of stuff. I get down of, you know, this is how it works. And some of us, some of us are going, it's not working. It's because, you know, my background used to be, used to be pro-tennis. And I would, I used to teach people tennis. And I would say, you know, this is how you, you hit your forehand. And this is how you, you hit your backhand. But some of us are hitting the ball between our legs all the time. And it's, it's not working. So I'm coming around going, hey, stop hitting the ball between your legs. You got a wrong technique. You gotta, you gotta change your skill set. You gotta change the way you're thinking. You go, well, that's my culture. Listen, friend, your culture could be good, but your culture could be hurting you. And some things you live out in life is just a cultural belief system. It's not necessarily truth. But the moment you start to embrace God's word for your life, transformation begins to take place. Blessing begins to overtake you. And you begin to stand out in a city and a nation. Though you're all good looking, but there's something different about you. There's something that you seem to attract this blessing over your life. And it's not because of what you do. It's because of what you're under. Because if you try and create blessing through what you do, you'll fall into the trap of Galatians. Is this making sense? I think it's so important to live in the blessing of God, but you can't live in the blessing of God if you're living old ways. Where sin abounds, the Bible says grace abounds even more. But Paul goes on, don't think you can just get away with the sin factor just because there's sin. See, Jesus destroys sin at the cross. How, know, how many know that to be true? Come on, give me a wave of hands. You know that to be true. And yet sin still has a result in our life. Not on judgment or condemnation, but a sowing and a reaping. There's no judgment and condemnation on sin because all sin was judged at the cross. The, the power of sin was destroyed at the cross, yet we still stuff up. We, we still make mistakes, don't we? We still, we still miss the mark. We still, we still fall over ourselves and our flesh wants to run in a particular direction. And our flesh wants to go in its own direction and, and wants to do its own thing. But our spirit is saying, come on, pick it up. God's got great things for your life. And you've got to learn the principle of put off, which is putting off the old way and putting off the old types of life because that stuff has a result. And so does Blessing. Blessing has a result. When you begin to put on love, how many know that changes relationships? Some of you are going to love the word repentance after today because you're going to see what an opportunity. This is, a way to, this is a way to turn my life around. Man, this is a way to man see my life go from that direction to this direction. Some of, the, for some of you today, your marriage is going to get restored because you're going to repent. It's going to give you an opportunity to put it back together. Because you're going to go, this isn't working doing it my way. I, I've got to do it God's way now. And when I do it God's way, I come under God's blessing. And it's not an issue of works, it's an issue of faith. And when I'm living in the faith of God and walking in the faith of God, I find the traction of blessing just begins to overtake my life. But when I'm living for myself and doing my own thing and I'm just working off my own agenda, man, that stuff just begins to crush my life. And that brings a result, and that called, I believe that Bible calls that a curse. 
It's a result. Let me give you some element of the results of curse. Again, this is not spooky. This is practical results. You do something, it brings something. You move in something and it creates something. If you think that sin doesn't have a result, just try and commit adultery on your wife. It'll have a result, friend, and it won't be good. It has results, even though Jesus destroyed the power of sin at the cross. And God has set you free through the blood of the Lamb. So you've got this ability now to move forward if you begin to change the way you're thinking. I want to give you a few things today that may help someone today. When someone's getting the result of a cursed life, even though you're blessed, there's areas of humiliation. You say, where do you get this stuff? Read Deuteronomy 28. Now, that's a different context because it's under the law, but there's still results. There's barrenness. There's sickness of every kind. There's poverty and failure. There's defeat. There's tail and not the head living. There's beneath and not above. They're all results. That's the way you're living. But let me, let me tell you what happens when you begin to get under the blessing. Are you ready for this? There's exaltation. There's a lift up. There's a reproductiveness. There's a reproducing. There's fruitfulness in every area of your life. How many want that in their life? There's health in blessing. There's prosperity in blessing. There's victory in blessing. There's the, the attitude in the life that you're the head and not the tail. That you are above and that you are not beneath. When you begin to read the promises of God, that's the blessing that God wants you to live in and have overtake you. And you can know all this stuff but not live in this stuff. And I'm here today to encourage somebody that if you would engage with God and understand some of your thinking might need to change today and some of your justification of why you're doing what you're doing might need to change today and you might today need to turn a leaf over and put it aside and put on what is great for your life. Cognitive dissonance will wreck your life, friend. But the key to it is to repent, turn the other way and see your life go forward. Is this making sense? See, we're called to bless and not curse. We're called to bless those that curse us that we may receive a blessing, 1 Peter says. I think if you begin to understand the power of the blessing of God in your life, you'll start to make decisions in your life to tuck under it because as you tuck under it, you're going to find this supernatural vehicle called goodness and mercy following you all the days of your life. How many want to go where you, wherever you go, you just got goodness and you got mercy chasing you because you're under the blessing of Christ. But listen, friend, if you are doing your own thing, if you are moving towards doing God's favor by how much you do, you're going to bend back into the law. See, God doesn't count how many hours you pray. Because if you think it's about the hours that I pray in my life, that God will cause more blessing. Listen, I'm going to help you today. You don't grow by praying. Oh, I'm going to shock some of you today. Listen, my kids don't grow because they're talking. Some of us think if we pray more, we'll grow more. I'm telling you now, you won't grow more because you pray. I know people that pray are still immature because they talk a lot, but they don't do a lot. 
And if you begin to understand today, my relationship with God and my receiving from God, my, my walking with God, my stepping out in faith in God, because God's key to you moving forward is to live by faith. The just shall live by faith. So we put a trust in God, and faith has movement on it. So if we looked at the stages of your life when it came to the blessing of God, when you start to walk by faith, you start moving out on what he says to move out on. Amen. And faith begins to open up incredible doors for your life. But if you have justification, cognitive dissonance running through you, today the opportunity is repentance. I love it. I love a black box. You put a black box in your organization. You put a black box in your marriage. You put a black box in your kids' relationships. Because what it does, it tells you what's not working. You can't ignore what's not working because it's bringing a result. You say, that always happens to me. Get a black box, friend. Put it in there and go, why, does that, why do I always go forward but then go backwards? Why do I get near the promised land but I don't seem to go in? Can I encourage you? Get a black box and go, God, what happened there? Give me some insight here. Listen, God doesn't want to keep you in the dark so you repeat the same thing. He might find you, you get the stages in relationships. And then the relationship goes sour and it keeps happening. Maybe you need a black box today. And go, God, why does that keep happening? And God might say, hey, Jace, you keep repeating the same thing. You get to a certain point and your insecurities rise. It's time to turn away from your insecurity. Just acknowledge it. Because if you can ignore it, you'll do it again. So your insecurity might keep coming up. And if you want to overcome that, you just go, God, I'm surrendering that insecurity to you because that is dominating my life at certain points. So I'm going to turn away from it today. I'm going to repent. I'm going to move this way into a place of security. You might find you have a habit of lying. And you call it a white lie. It doesn't really matter a whole lot. You call it this sense of you try and trick yourself that it's okay but you're realizing that this stuff is not helping you when it comes to trust in relationships. So you might today go, I'm not going to justify that anymore. You might do it in your business. And you go, well, it's not really a lie. It's a friend, call it what it is. And just go, no, it's not working. So I'm going to put that off today. And I'm going to put on truth. And I'm going to live under the blessing, the supernatural vehicle of God that causes my life to flourish. And it all comes out of your life that says, God, I'm surrendered to it. And you start with the first building block, repentance from dead works, faith towards God. First building blocks. Hard to move forward and it's hard to make decisions in life. Which direction do I go? I go, what are you standing on? People always ask, which way do I go? Do I go that way? I go, what are you, what's under your feet? You're trying to make decisions and there's nothing under your feet. You're talking a lot, but you're not moving forward. How about today? You make decisions to say, God, I'm going to grow. God, I'm going to move my life forward. But God, I'm going to put on the stuff you tell me to put on. And I'm going to put away what I need to put away. 
I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to remove some of that cognitive dissonance that tries to justify this and justify that. I'm going to put that away today, and I'm going to repent. What an opportunity. You don't have to get stuck anymore. It's an opportunity for your life to go forward. You don't have to be trapped anymore. You don't have to be like, oh, no, no. Let it be released today. And saying, God, I'm going to repent, turn away from it, and head towards you. See, repentance has nothing to do with emotion. It's just a decision. You don't have to feel bad. In fact, you want to feel glad because God's given you an opportunity. Whoa! Here's a moment for me, Lord. Thank you. I've been stuffing it up, but now I can turn it around because you just told me truth and I can move forward again. What an amazing moment. It's awesome. Because sometimes our heart weighs us down and it puts us down and we have regret and we have this sense of, you know, I'm not good enough. And we're trapped and it's like we keep getting those results and it feels like a curse on our life. And yet you're hearing all the time when you come into a church like this that God wants you to flourish, that God wants to bless your life. And yet somehow what you're hearing and what you're experiencing are two different things. And yet you come to church with a big smile on your face. It's awesome. But it's not awesome. You feel trapped. feel like you can't move forward. And you, you leave tonight and you go back to your family problem. You leave tomorrow and you go back to your business issue. It's like, dear God, how do I get through this? I'm telling you how to get through it. You say, God, I'm going to change. I'm going to turn away from my flesh today. I'm going to live for you. Do you get this? Can I pray for you? Father, I thank you for every single one of these great people. Whether they're in Munich, whether they're in Dusseldorf, whether they're in Zurich or Constance today, I pray today, Lord God, as we start to think about our stage of our journey and walking out our relationship with you, and I pray today, let there be a breakthrough for people. I pray today marriages would get restored. Businesses would turn around. Pain and hurt of the past would be healed and overcome. Lord, as people go, God, I'm not justifying this anymore. I'm surrendering it to you. Thank you for the opportunity to change, Lord. Thank you for the moment. It's not a beat up. It's not a condemnation. It's a freedom to go in a better and a healthier direction following you and letting the blessing of God overtake us. I pray today, Lord God, set people free. I pray today, God, may they come into an openness and a realization of how good you are. In Jesus' name.